remember that more than 90% of sermons, right? Because you're involved in it. You're doing something. Uh, and so that's uh, really awesome that we had the kids do that. And, you know, I was just thinking like, Lord, what, what do I do? Do I just like take the week off? Which I'm actually not opposed to. But at the same time, it was like I, many of us don't know the story of Purim or Esther. And I'm going to have a, a, a quite a condensed little, little sermon today since we spent so much time with the play. And, um, but I, I really wanted to get into the Word to, to fill in some of the pieces of the play. Because a lot of us, we actually uh, may not be too accustomed, too used to the story. And uh, also there's an element of, of how do we bring this a little bit to our lives. So why don't we open up to Psalm 142. And we are going to just, just spend a, a couple moments, a couple minutes in the Word. Because I, I really feel, you know, the, the Scriptures talk about appointed times that the Lord has created. I believe in, in Greek it's kairos, right? And in Hebrew it's mo'adim. He has created appointed times for us to sit and to reflect on, on what has transpired throughout the ages. So Psalms 142, verse 1, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. See, uh, the story of Esther uh, is a story of not just beauty. And it's not just the story of uh, the deliverance of God's people Israel, although those are stories and they're important to reflect on. But really it's a story of a voice. It's a story of a voice, a sound, a sound that goes forth. Um, at first, actually, Esther's pretty reluctant. She's reluctant to, to speak up against atrocity. But eventually she is compelled to do something, right? And so, throughout the ages, I believe that the Father has been looking for a voice, a trumpet, a sound, an alarm of repentance, but also a sound of praise, love, a voice of grace and compassion. To speak against evil, which Esther did, Is a holy act. There's another Esther-type figure, which unfortunately his story ends a little differently. Esther is propelled into royalty. Esther is adorned. Esther is, is given up to half the kingdom, it says in the book of Esther. But many years later, a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer was an Esther to a generation. And he met a very different fate. His fate was death by hanging, by the SS. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, uh, a pastor uh, during World War II in Nazi Germany. Can you imagine for a moment being a Lutheran pastor in Germany during Adolf Hitler, where Hitler and the Nazi government has taken over the Lutheran church? He starts a movement, He's called, they called it the Free Church. And it was a church that was not attached to the government. And if you read through his writings, beautiful, unbelievable writings, one of his most famous is the cost of discipleship. 
If you've not read that one, man, you read this and you just realize what it really means not to be a disciple, but the cost of what it means to be a disciple. And in his writings, he's, he's figuring out, what do I do? Do I just speak out against Hitler? Do I, do I just be quiet? Do I remain quiet like everyone else? And eventually, maybe a little controversial for some, I don't think it's controversial, he plans, I think, up to three different assassination attempts on Adolf Hitler. As a pastor, he's like, we got to take this guy out. This is Haman all over again. Now, he does orchestrate three and takes part in, I believe, three failed attempts to kill Adolf Hitler. Hitler finds out about it. He's sent to a concentration camp, and I believe one month before the ending of World War II, he is killed. Esther is lifted up into a place of promise. Bonhoeffer lays down his life. And here it is, guys. Bonhoeffer states this. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, and not to act is to act. During the times of Esther and during the times of today, if you are silent, you are an accomplice to evil. Amen. Silence is noise. The failure to make a decision is making a decision. Now, in the story of Esther, salvation, deliverance comes. And it comes as, as Mordecai and Esther call for fasting and for prayer. And for three days, they, the, the nation of Israel, they fast and they pray. But after that, a voice needed to be sounded. It simply was not enough to fast and pray. She had to fast and pray and now speak and risk her life. The book of Esther is, I think, the most perplexing of, of, of books of the Bible. And it's because God is not mentioned once. It's the only book of the Bible. Elohim, Yahweh, God, Adonai, El Shaddai, never once is G-O-D written. He appears to be absent from the story. Can you imagine a book of the Bible that not once is God mentioned? It's crazy. But there's a reason. The reason is that the Holy Spirit actually directed this. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit directing a book of the Bible to be written without the name of God ever mentioned? And that is very perplexing and it's very annoying to theologians. But I'm here to tell you the reason why the Holy Spirit directed for God to not be written in the Bible is because sometimes in life he appears to be absent. But he's not. In the trials and tribulations and difficulties of life, sometimes we just say, God, where are you? Why are you not written on the page? And the story of Esther teaches us something, that during those times, the reality is this. God is not absent. He is to be found inside of a voice of his servant. 
God, where are you? God, how come you haven't done this? God, how come you haven't brought deliverance to this person, this thing, or to this community? And God is sitting there like in the book of Esther and is saying, your voice needs to go forth. You see, what's going on here is this. A voice is needed today on the earth. The voice is ours, but the message is given by God. Amen? And I want to encourage you in this. This isn't in my condensed version. It's in the full version. But I feel like the Spirit is here, so I'm going to linger here a little bit longer. And I'm sorry I don't have these nice little graphics to explain it. The story of Esther takes place in the 5th century in Persia, modern-day Iran. It's at the same exact time that Ezra and Nehemiah are returning to the land of Israel, rebuilding the temple. And Esther and Mordecai don't go. They play it safe in exile. It's like, Esther, Mordecai, what are you doing hanging out in Iran? Like your brothers and sisters are risking their lives in Israel, building the walls of Jerusalem, and you're hanging out in the center of the empire. And what really makes this crazy is that their family clearly, 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 Esther and Mordecai's family, has begun to assimilate into Persian culture. The two main gods of Persia at the time was a god by the name of Marduk and Ishtar. Marduk, the god of thunder, Ishtar, the god of beauty and fertility. And what did the ancestors of Mordecai and Esther name the children? Mordecai, coming directly from Marduk, and Esther, coming directly from Ishtar. This family is so ingrained and so assimilated that they've taken on pagan names of pagan deities. And even because of, even though the parents did this, and even though their ancestors did this, and even though that's what the plan is, God still takes them and uses them. And so when you say, I can't do this because my family is this, and I can't do this because my past is this, God chooses to use a Mordecai and an Esther. Those who have become essentially, completely, almost completely assimilated. And so Mordecai takes Esther, the great beauty, and says this. If you remain silent at this time, Esther, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you were born for such a time as this. You see, she fasts, she prays, but then she speaks. She delivers her people from death and destruction. Church, you were born for such a time as this. You were born and you were uprooted from your hometowns and the nations of your ancestors and you were born and placed in this town for this hour and this moment in history. If we do not speak up, 
Listen to this. It's just like this story. If we do not speak up, people in this town and in this region will not be delivered. God needs a voice on earth. A voice crying out in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Esther chooses to speak. And what happens, right? She becomes a queen. She receives a crown. And I'm telling you, if we do not speak up in this hour, you will not be able to lay down that crown at the feet of Jesus in the coming age. I want to receive a crown. I want to receive a spiritual crown for being a voice to this generation. And I want to lay down that crown at the feet of Jesus when I see him. See, in the time of Esther, Haman is a representation of evil incarnate. Haman, the descendant of Amalek. And during the story of Esther, evil Satan himself is trying to raise his evil head. And I'm telling you today, evil is trying to raise its head again. Very similar in the times of Esther. What do we have here? There is an increase, an unbelievable increase in Europe and in the United States, a bit of anti-Semitism. There is an unbelievable increase of anti-Christianity in Europe, in the United States. It's, it's unbelievable. There's evil that's trying to raise its head, abortion, homosexuality. All of it is trying to pick its head up again. What I think is right is what right is right. Not what God says that is right. And so I believe a voice needs to go out. A voice of love and compassion needs to be heard in this land. But I also believe that there's another type of voice that needs to be heard in the church at large. And it's not necessarily so compassionate. Because judgment begins in the house of the Lord. You see, evil is trying to raise its head in the church as well. In many churches, church has simply become a social club. Not a place to raise up praises unto the King of Kings. And not a place to preach the gospel. Many churches have become, become a place where it's like, let me hear a sermon to get a get-rich-quick mentality. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is grieved. Churches have become a place where pride is uplifting and pastors and leaderships are more concerned about building the kingdom of men than the kingdom of God. And that's evil. It's not the spirit of the Lord. And so again, a voice in compassion may need to go out to them. The Lord said his voice is also like the thundering of water. Why don't we stand? Ah... Good question. I like asking questions. What is the most important verse of the book of Esther? Or in Hebrew, Megillah Esther, the scroll of Esther. What is the most important verse? And everyone, I'm telling you, you do a Google search, it's a lot of images. Everyone, everyone, every, I don't say everyone, but most people, if you've been around long enough, you know Esther 4.4, that you were born Esther for such a time as this. It's a good verse. It's a powerful verse. I like it. 
But the fact of the matter is, is that's the only verse that we are aware of in the book of Esther. It just shows how American the faith has become. That is not the most important verse. The most important verse is this. Ve'ka'ashir avadati avadati. Ve'ka'ashir avadati avadati. If I perish, I perish. It's not like I'm born for such a special purpose. Is if whatever it takes. If I die, I die. I'm laying it down for the purposes of God. That people. That's the story of Esther. That's what speaks to us today. Amen. The voice is willing to give her life for the message if it's needed. And that's big. But you know what? You're born again. You know what? You got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And so everything gets heightened. And everything is brought to a higher place, man. And guess what? If you perish, you perish is no longer the equation. What the equation is today is Jesus says not if you perish. He says willingly perish. Die to the flesh. Pick up the cross daily. It's not like if we perish, we perish. Jesus says perish. Strip away your carnality. Strip away your flesh. Be used unconditionally for me. So, today... Be an Esther. Today, be a Bonhoeffer. Today, be a voice in a generation. And today, resound what the prophet Isaiah declared and what John the Baptist declared unto a generation. Be a voice in the wilderness, crying out, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Come on. Lord, we come before you. And we say unto you, Lord, that Bristol wants to be a voice. We want to be a voice to a generation. And we want to know when to use the right sound. And to some people, you know what? We have to be soft-spoken. And we have to be compassionate to them. And we have to be gentle to them. But some people just need a good old-fashioned cracking of the whip. And to those people, Lord, I pray to both sides of the equation that, Lord, we can speak with love and compassion, but with conviction. And we can stand up for righteousness. And we can stand up for holiness. And we can stand up to the power of the gospel. Father, I pray right now that there be Esthers and Mordecais that arise in our midst, O God. That we would no longer shrink back and say, oh my goodness, people are going to judge me because of what I believe. That's right, they will. But God will also judge you for what you have not spoken to this generation. So Jesus, we come before you, Lord, and we just ask this Purim, this week, Lord, as we reflect upon your salvation to your people, that we can become a voice.
and Yeshua, Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.